All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of the Ethos Celtics podcast. I am your host, Patrick Lounsbury, here with my co-host, Lucas Gaynor, after a long, long OT loss to the Toronto Raptors in a game where the Celtics were quite shorthanded, but man, did they show a lot of grit and grind and and really fought to the very end. What do you think about this game tonight, um, Lucas? Listen, Patrick, in light of the Robert Williams news that we got this morning, you know about the torn meniscus. Unfortunately, I know all the fans already know about that. Um, you know, tonight was kind of a good, uh, good escape from that reality. Would have been nice if we could have won that game, but uh, you know, it was good to see the guys fight without Jason, Jalen, Al, and obviously Rob out there tonight. It was good to see the guys fight, and you know, much as I wanted to see a win, it was still uh, still good to see them fight. You know, into OT and almost, almost. Yeah, we had uh, no Jason Tatum, no Jalen Brown, no Al Horford for personal reasons, and then no uh, Robert Wims. So it seemed like uh, the Celtics were kind of just taking it easy on the second night of a back-to-back where they had to travel out to Toronto to take on the Raptors at, at their home court. Uh, Pascal Siakam came out, cooked 40 points on Celtics. But this team really did fight and, and almost won this game damn near and, and took it all the way to overtime to only lose by three points was, was quite impressive. Shout out to Robert Williams though. We're wishing him a, a speedy recovery. He had a torn meniscus. We're just waiting on the results of how torn up it really is. And he's going to be doing some type of surgery. They just don't know how severe um, it, it is. So they don't know what type of surgery he'll be having. So the timetable on him right now is a little on the shakier side of things, but he is optimistic to uh, possibly be making it, uh, back for the postseason at some Yeah, so the thing with Rob right now in the surgery is he's considering two different surgeries. Um, this is what I've been reading. So he can either go for a trim, which is, you know, not an entire full repair. Um, that will get him back within, you know, four to six weeks, you know, in time for a couple playoff series if the Celtics can last that long. And the other option, you know, is the full repair, the full arthroscopic repair, which would obviously keep him out throughout the playoffs. And, you know, that one has a – from what I read, I'm obviously no doctor. I read some doctors on Twitter were saying that that one is, uh, you know, the more stable one. There's less chance of re-injury with that one, obviously, with the longer rehab um, and, you know, the more full repair. So, you know, I think that Rob should do whatever he feels is right. Um, I would love to have him back for the playoffs, but I also want to think big picture here, Patrick. I don't, I don't know how you feel about this, but – if there's a chance he could re-injure it with the first surgery, honestly, I would rather Rob just, you know, get that totally right for the future because we know he's had an injury history in the past, and I would rather him, you know, just get right quick, like get right, but as opposed to just get right quickly to try and maybe help us out at like 75%. So that's just where I'm at. I'm on a complete team of give him – the main surgery and and just let him be out for the rest of the year. Like just hit us with that blow at this point, because honestly with his injury history, I want him like, we got a lot of these guys under contract for next year. Um, We can build on what we have this season. I don't think this, you know, you're throwing away the season or anything like that. I'm not saying like throw a white flag, but I think regardless of what the professionals are saying, I think that's going to be obviously the best option for him. However, I don't know if Robert Williams is going to choose that option. And for me, I just want him to be really healthy and really good for next season with no question marks around him. 
get a good rehab in, make him feel really healthy. And then also with the Celtics having the ability to add to this roster next season and not worry about going into the tax, I I like that a lot more. Yeah, that's where I'm at. And like I said, I would rather, you know, him be good in the long term than just rush back. But Rob said he tweeted, you know, he kind of quote tweeted somebody who said he's going to shake it off. And Rob said, yes, sir. So it looks like Rob is leaning towards, obviously I don't want to speculate too much, but you know, from the message he sent out on Twitter, you know, it kind of seems like he does want to come back and we'll uh, leave it up to the medical professionals for that one. But, you know, Patrick, I know we didn't win tonight, but the game against the Timberwolves, on the other hand, the Celtics won in not only dominant, but a little bit of flashy fa- uh, fashion. I mean, that was one of the best games we played all year, in my opinion. I think it was a game I was kind of worried that was going to be a closer, given how well the Timberwolves had been playing since the All-Star break. But uh, the Celtics came out and just absolutely took care of business in that. The first game, yeah, they, they definitely took care of business against the Minnesota Timberwolves. I thought uh, the team came out and, and they just swing first. That's what this team has kind of been on as far as of lately. When, they are, when they're coming out and playing teams, they are really just throwing haymakers and landing big hits. They just shoot really well in the first quarter. Second quarter, they normally build on it. They get a little bit more sloppy in the third, and then they clean everything up and then finish out the game and only win by 15, 20 points. So uh, the Celtics team is on just a, another another tier, another level, as, as they continue just to be so dominant, even over really good competition. They're beating the teams they're supposed to beat. They're beating teams they're supposed to possibly test us. Um, we keep getting these games where we're like, oh, this is a test game. This is a test game. And it's like we kept beating them, beating, beating. And honestly, it's it's been not only just Jason Tatum, but a big part of it has been Jason Tatum. And I wanted to bring that part up because I think personally that Jason Tatum, since you know his name has been thrown into MVP talks as of recently, et cetera, I just wanted to address that as far as why I think he is in the discussion. Now I will I will be honest. I don't think he wins it. Um, I don't think there's a path for him to win it either. I don't think there's enough time for him to make up the ground on Jokic or Embiid. Uh, however, I do see the reasoning and the case why all of a sudden, like, hey, why is Tatum even being brought up at this point? And for me personally, like, I think a very good thing to look at is Tatum was struggling earlier in the season. And it was very clear. Everybody was talking about his shooting woes. And Celtics 24-5. And he's playing great. So, I mean, when you think about MVP, it's most valuable player. It's not the best stat player. It's, you know... The guy who who really means the most when they are playing well, when they're not playing well, or when they're there, when they're not there. I think Tatum proved that with how poorly he was playing the first portion of the season as the Celtics record was. I know the rest of the team around him got better, but at the level of play that Tatum has now been playing at since they've been doing so well has literally been night and day as far as comparisons to him. Um, and earlier in the season. So I see why the Tatum has now rose into those MVP talks. I still think there's like no chance that he wins it. He might finish like fourth or fifth, which is pretty cool. But uh, 
Jason Tatum definitely uh, deserving of the credit around the MVP talks, but I don't think he wins it. So don't get too crazy with it. No, I'm with you. I think he's going to be a top five MVP candidate. I would say he probably finishes, like you said, four or five. Um, and, you know, like you said, it's most valuable. I think Tatum, you know, his hat can definitely be in the ring for that conversation. However, I mean, I just think Denver would just be god-awful without Jokic to a degree that surpasses how bad the Celtics would be without Tatum. Likewise with the Bucks, I know Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are good, but they are not shouldering any of the load offensively and defensively that Giannis is. So I think those two guys surpass. Obviously, same goes for Embiid. Um, however, I do think, you know, I know Embiid's the favorite, but I think Giannis or Jokic should win personally. You know, he might not win because of voter fatigue, neither of those guys, since they've been, you know, obviously Jokic won the MVP last year. Giannis is a multiple-time MVP, um, and Embiid has never won. So Embiid's probably going to win because of voter fatigue, but I think Giannis or Jokic deserves it. But it's really cool to have Tatum's name in the conversation. However, Patrick, some awards that, A, he has won and will win. He's won three of the four Player of the Week awards in March. And that obviously means he's going to win player of the month in March. So, you know, those are two awards that he definitely is going to win. And on top of that, Patrick, I also think you'll see his name in all NBA and all defense. So although he might not be honored with the MVP award, I do think Tatum is definitely going to have his fair share of honoring. Uh, at the end. Yeah, he's still – and he's still had such a long career ahead of him that he's going to add a lot of hardware, I think, to his his resume. I'm not too worried about that for Jason Tatum. But I had a question, though, for you, um, Lucas. Say that this uh, – we're going to play a little hypothetical game here. Let's say the Celtics finish first seed, right, in the East. Celtics finish first. When you finish first, they, you normally get something, right? Like one of these like end-of-the-season awards, you normally get something. They don't have the six-man. They have some guys in talks for a defensive player of the year, but it doesn't seem like they're favorites. They have Tatum in the MVP conversation, but he's not going to win it. They have E-Man Coach of the Year votes, but that's probably going to Monty how they kind of screwed him, you know, last year with Tibbs getting it. So what what award do you think is the most likely to be won by a Celtic, and who is it if the Celtics finish with the first seed? Because I feel like they're going to give the Celtics something because of that, because it'd just be wild not to give us anything at that point. Yeah, we don't have six men. We don't have MIP, but uh... – Honestly, dude, I think it's smart defensive player of the year. I know they hate giving it to guards, but if the Celtics finish as the one seed and the best defense in the league, you know, with Rob Williams being out and our defense doesn't really slip and smart is doing all the, you know, defensive playmaking that we've known him, like become accustomed to, I think it's going to be that one. You know, I think Ime for coach of the year has a pretty good, uh, pretty good shot if we finish first, but it's going to be one of those two. You know, if we were somehow to get an award, because I'm not so sure, Patrick. I don't know if they're going to give the Celtics any award. I think we'll get all NBA and we'll get multiple players on all defense. I don't know if we're going to get an award, but if we were to get one, I would say my my vote would be towards smart DPOY is what I think would happen. Especially after Rob getting injured, if we can keep this up. How about you, though? What do you uh, I think I was leaning towards the Marcus Smart. It would have been Marcus Smart for for uh, defensive play of the year, or I was going to say Ime for coach of the year. I still think he could slip in there and possibly sneak it away for Monty. I do think that they feel bad, though, for Monty, just because it's like – and the thing is, is like if Monty Williams won coach of the year last year like he should have, I think Ime wraps coach of the year up easy this year. But due to the fact that – 
how it happened last season, it affects Ime this season, which is really important for for Ime's purposes. Yeah, it's unfortunate, and I think Moni has done a terrific job this year, so I don't want to act like it's just from last year. I do think last year him getting robbed plays a big part in it, but, you know, Ime's been terrific, but Monty's been terrific the entire season. Not to say that Ime, you know, wasn't trying his darndest in the beginning of the year. Well, the Suns have been firing on all cylinders since the beginning of the year. I know they have their team already intact. This is a newer Celtics team with the head coach. I, but to me, I do think Monty just Monty deserves it, though, in my opinion. As much as I want to say Ime deserves it, I would say it's either going to go. And let's Taylor Jenkins down in Memphis has a good argument as well. Well, you know, he's a newer coach. You know, they're playing unbelievable basketball. So he has a good argument. So I just don't think – I just don't – I don't see Ime a path to where Ime can legitimately win it. And, yeah, last year plays a part, but I do think Monty has more than a more than a legitimate case to still win the award this year. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree too. I, I think uh, Monty is is the clear winner of the coach year. I think he actually already has it locked up. They could probably lose out and they'd still – get him coach of the year at this point. That's how insane that Suns team has been this year. Um, But yeah, going into, into those awards and stuff like that, it's really shitty to, to know that Robert Williams going down with that injury, he's not going to be in consideration for that defensive play of the year anymore. Cause he started to creep into those talks with Marcus smart. Maybe they'll, uh, since they won't split the votes on those two anymore because I feel like they would have taken votes from each other in a sense, like Celtics writers that or Celtic writers who were fans of the Celtics may have like voted for Rob and think thought he was more valuable to the defense and smart and vice versa. Maybe they all come collectively together and, and get smart more higher up in that conversation. But yeah, there's going to be a lot of players on the, I think Tatum makes the all NBA team uh, made probably second team as we talked about the first team's way too stacked. And then uh, looking at some all-defensive players, hopefully Robert Williams gets his love there as well as Marcus Smart should be a, a pretty good lock as, as a guard on that. Tatum as well. Tatum, to me, has got to make second-team all-defense. I don't know if he makes it, though. I just I, I let's, don't let's go know. Through, let's go through the first team. Smart. Okay. Um, you know, they're going to put Giannis on that first team also, obviously. Giannis, um, Rudy. And let's put Embiid at that center spot. Uh, you want to put yeah, Embiid Rudy, instead? I feel like with how the Jazz have been faltering a little bit, I think the Jazz probably go down the second team. But so we got Giannis and Embiid in the front court, Smart at the point guard. Okay. Um, you got players like Dejounte Murray. Um, you know they're gonna throw Pat Beverly's name in the mix there. Um, you know Siakam has been terrific defensively. I'm trying to think of the other best defensive teams this year. Um, the Warriors, the Suns have been a great defensive team. Chris Paul's name could be in conversation, but, you know, I'm not sure that's more of a lifetime achievement thing. Um, I don't know. I, I Like, the, who else do you think? Because, listen, we're struggling to come up with some names right now. So I, I seriously think Tatum is going to um, make that second team all defense. Do you think Tatum makes that team? Ah, man, it's – Bam is probably going to make the team. Bam's going to slide in somewhere because – Bam's also in defensive player of the year discussions, right? Bam and Rudy, yeah. Or I would say Bam, Rudy, Bam, Rudy are locked, and then you also got Embiid. So like, and then you have Giannis. So it's like, where does Tatum get in? No, so well, so that's that leaves two front court spots still. 
Okay. You also have Mikael Bridges. I'll take. I mean, sure. Okay. You want to put? You have Jaron Jackson Jr. No, I'll take Tatum all day over J- Triple J for all defense. I mean, Triple J's in the Triple J's tied for the leaders in blocks per game. I don't think he's. I, I'll take Tatum. Um, Evan Mobley's might get some votes. That would be. I know he's a rookie, but that he, would be both. Probably get some. We have seen them how the Cavs defense have faltered since Jared Allen has been injured. So I don't think Evan Mobley deserves that over Tatum. Now, Triple J, I can give you over Tatum. I would say Bridges is really the one that he's going to have to fight with, and I think Tatum's going to get it. I think he is. And, you know, I put the, I, I put this question into a different podcast. Shout out the Dunker Spot, amazing podcast. Go check it out if you want a general NBA podcast. Some real awesome level, like deep dives on stuff. But I put in, I was watching one of their live streams, and I put in the chat, Patrick. I said, should Tatum be considered for all defense, or am I just being too biased? And uh, they said, no, you're not being too biased at all. But they had the same discussion we did, basically. Um, you know, there's just not a lot of spots, but they said it would not shock them if he got in. And they said it was not a case of bias. They said he's played all NBA level defense. So. You know, I know I'm not being crazy, but unfortunately, like we're talking about, he might just get squeezed out. But I really think, you know, the NBA loves Jason Tatum. I think that's pretty clear. So I think he's going to end up on the team. I think Rob might not make it, though, after, like, hearing those lists, right? Yeah. Somebody's not You got Rudy, one of those three guys Rudy Giannis, Jaron, Bam. Like, one of the three Celtics players is not going to make it. I just wonder who it is. And it could be Tatum. It very well could be Tatum, but I do think Tatum ends up getting on because he's had a lot of big-time moments. Not that Rob hasn't, but like I said, you know the NBA loves Jason Tatum. and they want- I think Mikael Bridges, though, does land on there just because the Suns record. He deserves it. As I mean, well he deserves it. All these guys deserve it, really, if we're being honest. There's just only 10 spots, so that's the hard part. If I, if, if I had to vote, I don't know. It does seem like the backcourt is like the open area more than the front court, obviously. And uh, front court's smart hard. Is a lot. Front court smart is, is so a lot. hard. Smart might smart's probably first team, right? He's first, first team, team lock. lock. Should be at least. And if he wins, if he wins defensive player of the year, he's definitely first team. Like this is guaranteed. You can't put defensive player of the year on the second all defense. Well, they did. <laughs> so remember that? Remember that they gave Marcus Saul the defensive player of the year, but but Joachim Noah was first team All NBA center. Makes no I'm, sense. I mean, makes no sense. And yeah, it makes no sense. But it's just funny the NBA did that one time. The the defensive player of the year should be on. He should automatically take a All Defensive. Like this should be just a guarantee. Like you don't even vote. He just auto slots. Agreed. Well, we'll see. I guess we'll just have to see. You know, I can't wait for those awards to come out and stuff. And I'm praying, I'm praying all three guys make it. Obviously, that's a little lofty, you know. I do think that. Uh, I think Rob's odd man out, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, that's tough, man. I feel bad for Rob. His injury is not going to help his case either. Like they're just going to keep missed the last bit of the season. Blah, and Triple blah. J, Rudy, and Embiid are probably all locks. That's that's four of the six. Giannis is a lock. That's five of the six. Did you even say Giannis? Yeah, Giannis was five of the six. And then Mikhail, for that last spot, it's Mikhail or Rob Will or Jason Taylor. Oh, man, it's tough. That is so tough. And then you got guys like Draymond that we didn't mention. He just has missed too many games, though. Uh, maybe, Talk about yeah. missed games. Ooh. Yeah, he missed a fat chunk of the year. So 
Draymond, you know, obviously normally would be on it, but it's t- they should add the third all-defensive team, in my opinion. I've always wanted that. They're never going to do it. But I guess that it's not like – it's to me, adding the third team is not like making it like too many. That's still only 15 players. So, you know, I – can you name? Can you name when the last the guard won uh, defensive player of the year? Well, if I had to guess, I would say Michael Jordan. No, there was a there was somebody in ninety five, ninety six that won the award. Oh, Gary though. Payton, the glove. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. So I mean, that's that's a long streak. So if Marcus Smart could break that streak, that would be wonderful. I would just, you know, Gary Payton would be very proud. Uh, Gary Payton, one of my all-time favorite players. But, yeah, I mean, I think we, we we hit on the award talk enough. I mean, I don't know how much you want to get into the actual Timberwolves game itself. I mean, the Celtics came out in that first quarter, right? It was an absolute battle, right? It was kind of the game I was expecting, you know, back and forth, both offenses cooking, Cat looking like the uh, Western Conference player of the week that he had just received a couple weeks prior, dominating, had a crazy dunk. But uh, in that second quarter – the Celtics turned it up. They held the, uh, I believe they held the Timberwolves under 20 points in that second quarter and, you know, went over 30 points again that second quarter themselves and kind of just separated it there and then held on to the lead the rest of the game. You know, it got closer at times, but never really in doubt. Celtics took that one home, even with Rob, you know, leaving and not returning, as we all know. But uh, it just felt like a wonderful game. Off the bat, off the backboard alley-oop. Had a lot of different things. Pritchard was on fire, man. It just was a. It felt just like a continuation of the dominance that the Celtics have been, uh, you know, displaying over the last couple. Yeah, and then you also got uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, both scored another twenty-five points in each of the Celtics' last six straight wins when they did the Minnesota Wolves. I made it six straight games, twenty-five each. They were the only the third pair of teammates to each score 25 points in six straight games together. Joining, can you name the other two pairs? To win six straight games with 25 points each? Yep. In NBA history? NBA history. All right. Uh, eras? Eras? Can you just give me the eras? 90s, 2000s? Um, 2000s and... D-way I'll just I give you here's here's a here's a hint here's a hint they both were for the same franchise. D Wade and Braun. Nope. East or West. West. Is it the Lakers? It's Lakers. Right. Yep. Both these pit duos are. Is do where they have to be under a certain age or just duos? Shaq and Kobe and Braun and AD. Shaq and Kobe is one. The other one was Jerry West and Elgin Baylor. Ooh, that's not shocking at all. Yeah. Two of the, that's so, one of the greatest scoring duos in NBA history, Jerry West and Elgin Baylor. You know, it's just too bad they had to yeah. run into our Celtics every year in the finals, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we got to have something. I going to say, we can't be two pro Lakers on here, all right? Yeah. <laughs> can't can't let that slide too much. Also, shout out to to Jason Tatum. Here's just a uh, understanding of how great he has been in the month of March, but also just to kind of where he where he came from. This season, the first forty three games, Jason Tatum was averaging twenty five points, eight rebounds, and three point eight assists on only forty one percent from the field, thirty one from deep, and eighty four from free throw line. 
was struggling. And in the month of March, he's averaging 33.7 points per game, 6.8 rebounds, 4.8 assists, 53.9 field goal percentage, 46% from deep on 9.8 attempts. And he's shooting 91% from the line, man. He's outscored uh, opponents by 209 points with, with Tatum on the court this month in the month of March. So Tatum, just an unbelievable month on his way to most likely the Eastern Conference Player of the Month. Listen, if he doesn't win Player of the Month, that's just ridiculous because he won Player of the Week three out of the four times. So I agree. So, so that would just be classic NBA politicking if he somehow managed to lose that. But I think he's got that one wrapped up. But, yeah, I mean, just a wonderful game. Like you said, not only did they go over 25 points, once again, Jalen and Jason both score 30 in the same game. I want to reiterate, this is not normal. Celtics fans, please do not take this for granted. Okay, this is awesome. I mean, listen, it's coming from a guy who, you know, Pat, we were kind of talking about the, uh, you know, given our starting lineup tonight with those with four of our top five or slash six guys out. Um you know, I sent you over a tweet that had a lineup of the starting lineup was Phil Pressy, Jeff Green, Gerald Wallace, Jared Sullinger, and who else was the uh, who was the fifth starter? Hold on, let me go look. And Chris Humph- Chris Humphrey. Oh man, that, that... I'm sorry. The the team that we rolled oh, out tonight rolling, is stomping but that team. I'm just saying, we've come a long way since those days. Right, starting Chris Humphreys. No disrespect to Chris Humphreys. Seems like a funny guy. All right, but, you know, we're in a much better position now than starting Chris Humphreys and starting Jared Songer. Um, You know, so I do want to just emphasize once again, I feel like I've said this a lot in the past few shows, is that what the Celtics are doing is not normal. And I know spirits are down because of Rob, and I get it. Listen, Pat and I talked today. You know, you know, we can just kind of get into this actually right now. Um is that my, so our expectations were sky high, right? Sort of anything is possible sort of approach. And I think that was fair, you know, with Rob being out, I do think, you know, things are going to be in this. I, I'm not rewriting history. I'm not saying anything crazy. Things are going to be a lot tougher here without Rob. Okay. Rim protection is the most valuable aspect of defense. You know, as much as, you know, important as wing defense and perimeter and point of attack defense is, um, like uh, not having our elite rim protector is going to affect our defense a lot come playoff time. So I would say I still am pretty confident in the Celtics in the first round, you know, given who we're most likely to match up with outside of Brooklyn. You know, that matchup is a lot scarier to me now, okay, without Rob. Um, but uh, I would just say my, my expectations are once again tempered, Patrick. I don't have those through-the-roof expectations. And I'm not saying the Celtics can't win a couple series, you know, or whatever, you know, how well we've been playing. I obviously believe that this team is a very good team now after them. They've obviously proved that to me over, you know, this big 30-game sample, right? But uh, I would say that my expectations definitely came back down to earth with this Rob Williams news, and I don't think that's too crazy. No, I I agree. I think that the – idea of how we are going to see the Celtics ceiling kind of like be capped out. And honestly, that's why I've kind of just like, you know, Rob, I, I don't see a world where Robert Williams has surgery, even if it's a minor procedure and comes back a hundred percent. Like there's no, there's no world. Um, so at this point, if he's not going to come back hundred percent, I don't see us making the NBA finals. If we don't see the NBA finals, then why risk his health at that point? get the better surgery, 
go fully into recovery mode and let's just, let's go head out, out storm out next year, you know? And I think also that let's see where Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can carry this team. I mean, maybe, maybe we can get to the Eastern conference finals. Who knows how weird things happen in the playoffs all the time. Things don't always make sense. Um, I'm not wishing injuries on anybody. I hope everybody stays healthy, but injuries do happen. And it's part of the game of basketball. And we've seen that over the past few years, teams have guys go down during playoff runs and stuff like that, that totally alter what happens. And maybe the Celtics swing, everything swings their way and they do make it there. But I just think that based off the information we have now, it's, it's not looking likely like that opportunity to get to the finals is as big as it was just uh, less than 24 hours ago. And on, on top of that, you know, the Celtics just, I wanted to point out that the bad luck that has been around, the Celtics Sorry. since 2017. So let's just, let's just go back to 2017, Isaiah Thomas injury. 2018, Kyrie Irving. 2019, Marcus Smart. 2020, Gordon Hayward. Last year, Jalen Brown. This year, Robert Williams. So uh, six years straight of the Boston Celtics just losing a key piece of their team right before or during the playoffs is just – it's just been tough on the, on this organization, I think, as a fan base. And that's why I try not to be too critical on the team coming up short. And we should be happy with the amount of success they have had despite those injuries and getting to those Eastern Conference finals. So I'm just uh, going to be a, just an enjoyer of these, these playoffs with or without Rob, just knowing that he probably not going to be 100% if he plays. And if he doesn't play, then I'm cool with that as well. And let's just see how the dice kind of roll out. And let's just hope Tatum and Jalen Brown just play great and the team plays together. And whatever happens, happens now. But I'm not I'm not as high as I was going into the uh, playoffs as I was when Robert Williams held. Yeah, and I think that's just a testament to how good Rob has been, really. I mean, Patrick, we've been gassing him up, you know, for all defense, defensive player of the year for a, a, a reason, man. He's been phenomenal, and losing a guy like that is obviously going to negatively impact your team. But, you know, we've seen injuries happen before, Kyrie, Gordon Hayward, and young Jalen and Jason. I know the East was a lot different back then. Uh, But, you know, they took us to the conference finals. You know, I'm not saying that's happening, but obviously just I think Celtics fans should chill out with the final. Because I heard some Celtics fans, finals are bust. You know, that mentality's got to go out the window now with Rob out, you know. But we'll see what we can do. I think, you know, it's not necessarily playing with house money, you know, but I would say that just I'm with you, Patrick. I'm just trying to enjoy these playoffs, you know, and just see how far we can go uh, without Rob. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah, man. And uh, as this team just tries really hard to just get ready for the postseason, you guys need to go ahead and get ready for the summer as well. And the best way to go get ready for the summer is by heading over to manscape and using that 20% off code, make sure that you guys use hoopball 20 to get 20% off your whole complete order. Go ahead and get yourself some new gear to go ahead and get yourself right for the summertime. Make yourself look clean cut fresh. Make sure that when you go to the haircut place, get your barber shop, get your haircut in. You can keep it up to date. You know, you can trim it up a little bit. Make sure that haircut lasts a little longer by having some manscape products, man, some really great products over there at the website. Again, use hoopball. 20 as that promo code to get 20% off. Yes, sir. Going over there, use the promo code. Always good to save some money. Might as well save some money and make yourself look good at the same time. So going over hoopball20 at manscaped.com. 
Uh, Pat, so what did you think about the game tonight? I mean, you know, obviously we were shorthanded. The Raptors gave us, you know, as much as we could handle. You know, it was a little too much in the end. Pascal Siakam had a wonderful game, 40-piece on efficient shooting. Um, and, you know, I think it just showed that we didn't have our shot creators down the stretch. Smart with a couple bad plays. Grant with a couple bad plays. Pritchard came back down to earth shooting-wise. You know, I think that all just caught up caught up to the Celtics, by the way. I think the, the lack of creation, self-creation, right? Like, you don't realize how talented you need to be in the NBA to create your own shot and shoot over people with ease until you watch a team that doesn't have a player to do that. And tonight you saw the Celtics with no Jalen Brown, no Jason Tatum, no Al Horford who who could definitely get that shot himself. And you're just seeing a, a team that their fourth and fifth options are trying to self-create for themselves, and that's just not what they do. They are used to the other guys gravitating the defensive's attention and and drawing all the all the defense that they can to make their jobs a lot easier. So now when you you're the focal point, you're drawing the best defender and you're the fourth, fifth best option on the team offensively, you're gonna see a little bit more of sloppiness play. And I think we saw a lot of that tonight and ultimately the reason why the Celtics weren't able to come down with a win in the stretch, but you still have to be pretty impressed with the way a lot of these young guys played. Some guys didn't get a lot of minutes this year. You had Sam Hauser out there who hit some shots, Um, but Aaron Neesmith, who we both talked about amazing uh, with the way he's played defensively in this game. Uh, And also Payne Pritchard's defense was just pesty. He's totally taken on the under, under my Marcus Smart's wing type role, right? You know, you could just see Marcus Smart cheering on Peyton Pritchard all the time, and and that's his guy. Like they are, they I've noticed that they're just kind of like a really tight bond between those two. So I've loved seeing that Marcus Smart has taken Peyton Pritchard on his wing, and Peyton Pritchard's like defense intensity is starting to raise up more and more, and you're seeing him fight harder on the defensive side, which has been really. Yeah, and I mean Pat, we talked about it at the at the beginning of the year. Emay's the type of coach where. You know, if you can't play defense, if you're food on defense, you're not going to see the floor. And I think that established a sort of culture, you know, of playing hard every single night, something that we know last year the Celtics were severely lacking. And I think that was really evident tonight. I mean, listen, the Raptors are a good team. Like, they're a playoff team. They're the sixth seed right now. They've been one of the hottest teams in basketball. And uh, we gave them a fight, like, you know, with our pretty much our B team tonight. And I just got to shout out the Celtics, man. I mean, they fought as hard as they could. I thought that Neesmith three was going to win us the game at the end of it. Uh, but like I said, man, Pascal was a little bit too much. The Raptors were a little bit too much. And, uh, you know, it was good to see Neesmith play well. Good to see Hauser not, like, completely poop his pants out there in, like, you know, a real game. Uh, Derek White didn't shoot well again, 4-16. That's, like, low-key worrisome. But Patrick, like you said, he's a fifth or sixth option. Usually he's just attacking off the catch attacking off the alpha closeout, not really asking to create. So it's not something to get super worked up about. I don't think any Celtics fan should get super worked up about the loss tonight. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I wish we could have we went out with the win, but this is a rare moral victory I'm taking, Patrick. I really hate taking moral victories, but tonight I think it did show that the, the sort of culture that Ime has established here because, you know, the Celtics just looked like a less talented version of themselves tonight, and I think that actually uh, – actually goes to show, you know, that we have a good
Yeah, I think tonight with the way that this bench unit played so well and competed just was an echo of Ime's culture change as far as the team plays. And I couldn't be more excited for how Ime has built so much chemistry and growth in one season that I'm really excited to see him in an off season in a second year. Like I'm, I'm really excited because I think the Celtics are in a very good position as far as GM wise. That's, that's a lock, right? Like Brad Stevens has done a great job. You know, there's stability there coaching first year. You're seeing the way how things changed and how players bought into it. That's something that we could be pretty reassured on as far as being good for a four foreseeable future key star players on the roster. We have that locked down the Celtics. We are so lucky. And I think we don't step back enough and analyze our situation enough. There's so many teams that are even great teams. that will be like, man, I hate our GM or I hate our, our coach. We just need a new coach or man. We just need that one superstar. Like we got the superstar. We got the coach. We got the GM. Like now it's just about, Let's let's keep building on it and building on it. And this team can really compete for a championship for the next few years. So uh, just capitalizing on on having Jason Tatum, having a great system built in Boston, uh, we just got to be thankful for, for the team that we had in front of us. Yeah, it's very true, Patrick. And uh, another thing, you know, I know you, uh, you know, I'm going to be happy about this is the ownership has, you know, kind of hinted at the fact they're going to be more likely to pay the tax, which is not something they've historically done. You know, this ownership group, the like Wick himself said, this team has not done adding. So what does that say to me? I mean, we're obviously close to the salary cap um, or the luxury tax line, I should say. Um, and the fact that he says that makes me think that, you know, he's going to be willing to pay the tax. And uh, obviously I think the Celtics are going to have to do that to improve the team if they want to actual, you know, to bring in – more actual NBA talent. They're going to end up paying the tax. And I think that's something I'm looking forward to, you know, because it's always very frustrating that Celtics fans in particular seem like, you know, they always are so worried about staying under the tax, like it's their money or something. So definitely looking forward to see how this team grows. But like you said, Pat, we have a lot of the key places, uh, key pieces in place. We have, you know, a couple guys on pretty cheap contracts and Rob and Marcus, I think as the cap goes up, his number won't look that bad. I know he's not necessarily cheap, um, but and then we have the superstars and Jason and Jalen, and you know the head coach and Ime. I, I just like you said, Patrick. I think we shouldn't take this for granted. I say that almost every show it feels like, but uh, I have no problem saying that because I feel like a lot of fans do take. Yeah, man, and honestly, this this team is. Something to be optimistic about. We got a big game coming up, though, on Wednesday. The reason why I think Jason and Jalen were not playing tonight um, was mainly because Ime saw there was a back-to-back night. I wanted to give them the night off. Also, with the Robert Williams news, I'm sure that wasn't, you know, particularly amazing for for a lot of the guys and thought maybe they should just get that night off. Focus on the Miami game on Wednesday because that game is going to have a pretty crucial handprint on as far as how the standings are going to roll out these last few eight games here. So so getting Miami on Wednesday, big game. Bam Adebayo's in the defensive player year conversation. Marcus Smart's in the defensive player year conversation. These teams just flipped and flopped over the last 24, 48 hours of, of first place in the East. There's a lot on the line these last few games, man. The 
Um, musical chairs for seating through one through four is, is really under the way. And we're probably not going to get clarity of who we're going to be getting first round probably till the last game of the year. And honestly, that that's the Celtics just got to continue building on momentum. Don't try to avoid any type of team and just play the teams in front of you and compete at a high level and, and take that momentum into the postseason. Yep. Miami's been struggling as of late. I know they caught the win tonight. We've beat them a couple of times this year, but I don't expect this to be a cakewalk. Um, but I do expect, you know, Jalen and Jason, I feel like they always take these matchups against the Heat pretty seriously because I think the bubble still stands out in their mind. I mean, we were once again, you know, pretty close to making the finals. And I think a Celtics-Lakers final is something these guys would have loved, especially knowing how big of a fan of Kobe Jason is in particular. Uh, so I think they take the Heat matchups a little personally, and I'm definitely looking forward to see this game. Uh, this game against the Heat and this game against the Bucks are huge for the top of the standings. And, uh, and you know, I don't think, Patrick, we can really lose games for seeding on purpose at this point because if the Nets are in the play-in, you know, they're either going to be eight or seven. So it's not even worth losing games. I would rather just secure home court throughout the playoffs in that one seed if we possibly can. And uh, I just think that would add more fuel to the fire anyway. So looking forward to these two. Yeah, man, and that does wrap it up for things here tonight on the Ethos Celtics podcast. Make sure you guys head over to Twitter, um, follow the show at Ethos Celtics. You guys can also follow me at Ballin Opinions. Follow Lucas at Luca underscore Gainer. Uh, make sure you guys go ahead and head over to Spotify. Give us that five-star rating on the show. Also head over to Apple Podcasts. You guys can leave a, a review and a five-star rating. That helps us out a lot. That pushes us up the boards, allows us to have the opportunity as well to reach more people and allow us to bring you even more content. Lucas and I do appreciate all the support and love that we get. And we appreciate everybody who shares our show. Yep. Echo all that. Go rate, review, share. Appreciate everybody who tunes in live on the show. Appreciate anybody who listens, you know, offline. Seriously, it means the world. I know there's a lot of people in my life who listen to the show, um, you know, connected to my family, you know, my friends and things like that. So shout out all of you. Seriously, appreciate every single one of you. And uh, yeah, like Patrick said, that does it for us. And uh, hopefully we're here to celebrate a win against the Miami Heat on Wednesday. Yes, sir. Everybody have a wonderful rest of your day. And sure. Sure.